0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I am so excited today because I am joined by my good friend Kara Sakovich. And she, you guys, is amazing. I met her last summer. She's a certified life and weight coach from the Life Coach School with Brooke Castillo. She's the owner of Kara Sakovich Coaching. She helps LDS apostates have a better life and get what they want after leaving. She's a mother of a son and a daughter, two German Shepherds, three cats. She considers herself an LDS apostate, and she's one of the most fun people to talk with. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. The people she wants to help with are those who are ready to answer the question, where will you go after therapy when the grieving is done? And she's ready to help you build a life on purpose. So today we are going to be talking about loving your reason for leaving. And I'm really excited about this topic because so many of us struggle with how do we explain ourselves? How do we explain leaving a system that has been a part of our lives from either all of our lives or most of our lives? How do we justify our decision? And I'm really excited to delve into this topic with Kara because She really pulls it apart so we understand what's really going on for us, what gets in the way of us feeling good about our decision, and then really how to move forward and love your decision to leave and build relationships with people that are important to you who maybe are still in the system. I know I have people who are listening to this podcast who maybe have not gone through religious transition, and this is applicable whether you're leaving religion, whether you're leaving a family system and you're getting into a healthier, more functional family system, whether you're leaving some sort of educational system that doesn't work for you any longer, or whether you are leaving a work system or some other system. So stay tuned. We have some great stuff coming up. And welcome to the show, Kara.
1: Hey, I'm just feeling so privileged to be able to be here. It's like I mentioned earlier, it was like a full circle moment to look back at where it started and then to be able to be on this other side, not just sharing this message, but also to be able to help others. And like you mentioned, you know, have a better life and get what they want with, you know, intention over that indoctrinated idea of what life was supposed to look like or what it was supposed to be, um, how it was supposed to look like all of the shoulds and to be able to sit in that place where it is exactly what you want.
0: Yeah. I think that, it's been really an eye-opener talking with you and seeing where we were and the tools that we needed. And it's been fun to be on the front lines with you, creating these tools both together and separately to be able to help people move forward in ways that would have been so helpful when we were going through our own religious transition.
1: What it is that we're developing here and just being able to collaborate these ideas, like it has it has been such an incredible experience to be able to be how it works hand in hand with all the different tools and the resources that we didn't have before where it just, even four or five years ago, weren't necessarily available. And so watching it grow and develop and to see what it is even today and to see how much further it's going to continue to go is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think we're just like right at the beginning of all of the amazing resources that will be available Even just in the next year, two years, five years, there's going to be so many resources for people. And it's so fun to see that we're just at the very beginning where it's starting to grow and awareness is starting to grow.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: So you started off as a weight coach. Is that right?
1: I did. And so it was actually also at the beginning of my faith crisis. Having grown up thinking things were supposed to be a specific way, it started opening up this idea that maybe... There was a whole lot more to this world about self-development and about tapping into what it is that you want. And so I did start as a a weight coach. And a lot of this was really just focused on common sense wellness, which for me was something that I thought was really selfish at the time. And I wanted to be able to learn how to take really good care of myself. I I found that I kept coming up against these ideas of what self-care was taught and what it was, uh, what it looked like, or what my mom, like my mother had modeled. And so when I started coaching, I started seeing how, you know, and then I think this sounds obvious, but like to me back then, it really just wasn't an obvious thing that being able to take really good and like really exceptional care of yourself was the make or break when it came to the faith transition.
0: Yeah. And I know that you bring up sometimes that religious transition can be a lot like weight training. So can you tell us just a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, I was really surprised because, I mean, they are two very different topics, but there are so many things that are very much the same. And so when it comes to concepts around how you feel and what it is that you do with those feelings, like it really is a lot like hiring a personal trainer. And so when you're going to the gym and you're learning how to use your body and learning how to use new equipment or tools, I think a lot of us know that when we you know, join a gym or that we get onto the gym floor, it's going to be uncomfortable But it doesn't necessarily mean that anything has gone wrong. And a lot of us even go out of our way to be uncomfortable on purpose, to be able to get more of what it is that we want. And so while we were focusing so much on the body and the nutrition, things like that, to be able to learn how to use it and to do it on purpose in a way where the results are predictable and sustainable, like back then we were focusing so much on the, on the body, but like here I've learned like to be able to train your, body, you need to learn how to train your mind and use that most important muscle that you have, which is your brain.
0: Yeah. And I love how you said that it's really the discomfort that we're actually looking for discomfort in order to create change. We're looking for those uncomfortable places where we, uh, where maybe we just, it hurts a little bit almost, or it like, might make us feel a little frustrated or a little angry or a little scared or it might bring up some of those things that we consider unpleasant emotions but that is where the good work happens that's where the change happens is in those uncomfortable places it's not in the places where we feel safe it's not in the places where we feel like fluffy and happy necessarily those are all great things but it's whenever we're changing it is going to feel uncomfortable and that doesn't mean that it's bad it actually means that That's where growth is happening. Just like in the gym.
1: Right. And just like we talked about before, it was like, just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. And when you are in a spot where you are seeking growth, it's not going to be comfortable. I mean, I have never, ever once experienced like rainbows and daisies kind of experience (laughs) trying to grow. Like it is, it's pretty awful, you know, and there's that saying on the gym for like, it hurts so good. You feel that burn, but you go enough times and you get used to the process of discomfort enough times that suddenly the feeling of discomfort isn't what it was at the beginning. You know, it's, you, you can kind of tolerate it a little bit more and you're starting to equate it with the results that you're creating. You know, it's just inevitable and this is part of the process. And so you keep going, you know, it helps generate consistency and helps become more
0: resilient. I love it. And that's been my experience as well, that you get used to the discomfort both in the gym and outside of the gym. Because very similarly, four years ago, I really started working out and had so many of the the same experiences that you had where I felt guilty for taking care of myself. I wasn't used to the discomfort and I started drawing parallels as well. I love that you brought that in. So that was one of the things I highlighted in your notes because I was like, yeah, we need to talk about that really quick as we go into this. Because discomfort, I think, is one of the things that keeps us from sometimes exploring some of the pain that comes with things like religious transition or religious trauma because we think that there's something wrong with it or that it's dangerous. And actually, that discomfort is is where the growth happens and it's where the change happens. And like you said, you get really comfortable with discomfort. And it it still is painful. It still hurts. But we know that good things are coming from it. The results that we want are coming from it. And it allows us to tolerate it a little bit better and almost like embrace it in some ways and look forward to it. I know now when I go to the gym and I have those sore muscles later that day or the day after, it feels good. Like I actually look forward to that feeling because it means I've worked hard and I'm moving towards my goals. So yeah.
1: Similarly, so it's it's like we are so proud of the things that we did that were challenging because we know the amount of discomfort that we went through, you know, it, it equated to the wonderful things on the other side. You know, I find that I'm not really super proud of the things that were very easy for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, yeah, that was, you know, I, I don't feel the pride that comes having done something difficult or having done something that I, I earnestly put intention towards. And so it is a lot like, you know, learning to go to the gym, learning how to use, important muscles to be able to do things on purpose, to be able to embrace that discomfort. Know when you're not, you know, make sure that you're not overdoing it as well and to be able to take really good care of yourself. Cause again, there's like a healing process to it all. But there's just, as I was coaching, that was one of the things that came up is the amount of discomfort that you are willing to experience on purpose. And there's, you know, discomfort that's going to help you grow and there's discomfort that's going to help you stay stuck. <laughs> so be able to determine the two too as well. But when you are willing to be able to go to that gym floor on purpose, or to be able to go to that difficult conversation, or that next thing that you might be nervous about, or you might be unsure about when you can do it on purpose, coming from a place of trust and knowing that you have your own back, and you're going to be able to figure out what works and what doesn't and what works for you. So you can honor that like that is a different level of pride that I want for everybody. And so not the like not the arrogant pride, like the better than you pride, but really the, like I did something hard. Like, I did something that I felt so challenged by and I did it anyways. Like that is something I want for everybody, <laughs> everybody.
0: Yeah. I like how you said there's two different kinds of pride, right? There's like an arrogance and then there's just the the pride of accomplishment, the pride of I can do hard things. It kind of comes from self trust and it comes from self worth and it comes from this great relationship you have with yourself. Just the way you would notice and praise a best friend or your children or your spouse when they did something amazing, you do the same thing for yourself.
1: You celebrate. Like you yeah. really can sit in that joy. Like you know better than anybody else the amount of work that it required for you to be able to show up and start creating more of what you wanted on purpose, like that is a level of celebration. Oh my gosh. I think, I think everybody needs to experience and treat like an emergency. If you have not experienced that yet, I like think into that, that kind of celebration is so empowering.
0: Well, and I, you know, it's interesting. You bring up something you were talking about intention. Like when you meet that discomfort with intention and you are able to move through it and work with it and create more of the results you want, that it allows you to, to create something amazing that you can celebrate. And you actually put something in your notes about intention versus indoctrination. And I'd like to talk about that just for a minute too, because I think it really relates to today's topic. Because so often I feel like indoctrination is the autopilot. It's The subconscious beliefs that we're operating from, I usually call them like limiting beliefs, but indoctrination in religion really, really works well. It's the things that we've heard since we were three years old in the little tiny kids classes. In Mormonism, it's called nursery. In other religions, it's called something else. But it's it's those young, young kids classes where we start to sing the songs and we start to learn the scripture phrases and we start to be taught certain things about ourselves and about the world and about how it operates and about our worth. And we can live on autopilot from those messages, from that indoctrination. And intention is something that allows us to move out of that indoctrination into a life that is authentic. So I'd love to talk about that for a minute too. Oh, I, I love
1: this because I do think about indoctrination like the default thinking. It's often what we are not aware of, but it is for sure having an impact on the results that we create in our life. And usually when it's on autopilot, it's the stuff that we're not really paying attention to or that we notice. So we don't really question it. It's a bit of a challenge to make any kind of changes when we're not even aware about it. And so one of the things I just felt so passionate about is helping others develop a belief system that is based on press. And when it's Based off of trust is when you can really start using intention to take a look at what it is that you believe, whether that's in service to you or not, you know, because it might even be illogical. It might even be something that when you say it out loud, it doesn't quite sound right. You know, we might not have been able to control everything that we were taught growing up, but it doesn't mean that we can't embrace the part of our future that is ours to create. And that's why I think intention is so important because when you can use that awareness, you can start taking action towards authentic living that is unique to you. And I think the, what a lot of us want the most is we want to be able to step into that. And it can be a little bit of a challenge when we have all of these indoctrinated ideas that we may not be aware about. And so I think it's important to be able to address that because some of it, yes, like I think that we cannot control it. But the more aware about it we become, the easier it gets to be able to create more trust in yourself and embrace the confidence around creating something that might be different than you were taught. And so being able to sit in that place to make decisions, to live authentically, to live unapologetically, and to be able to live it in a way where you want to share it with others who maybe don't even believe quite the same as you, I think is incredible, but just being able to become aware of what it is that you believe is, is really what I think, brings up some of those indoctrinated ideas where we can take a look at them and not spend so much time there, but to be able to see what it is with curiosity and compassion, not judge it. Because a lot of the stuff, like you mentioned before, is just like dripped in as you were a child. You didn't get to decide, you were just told what it was. And a lot of us have embraced that as factual evidence about the way life was supposed to be. And so when you can take a look at it, be really curious, You know, don't judge yourself for having a thought up there, but maybe just see that, okay, this is not going to be in service to the life I want to create. And how can I use intention to be able to do that?
0: Oh, I love all that. And I love how you talked about we might not have had control over the things that we were taught as children. We might not have had control over the indoctrination that is in our subconscious or the messages that we receive from the caretakers in our lives. And our caretakers likely did the very best that they could, even if it was awful, even if it was really traumatic for us, they likely did the very best they could with their own trauma in place and their their own limiting beliefs and their own indoctrination. And yet that doesn't mean that we can't create a future that lights us up. I think so often my clients will say, you know, I hate that I was given this and and I'm just broken for life. And you're not. In many ways, As we choose to take hold of our future and we build a future that feels good to us, the things that happened to us in our past can become hidden gifts. They can become things that actually help us build the future and connect with people and offer things to the world that maybe no one else has or no one else could produce because they don't have the same background. And so, yes, there is a level of grieving for what happened to us as a child Yes, there's a level of reparenting that has to happen. Yes, there is a level of having to undo things that did happen to us. And we have all of the power in our lives now. There is nothing that happened to us as a child that we can't then harness and take control of and work with and make something amazing in the future with. And I love that you brought that up.
1: And I love this too, because it puts it back in our hands. We've talked about empowering individuals and the difference between empowering individuals and them already coming in like, like as an empowered individual. And I think it's so important to be able to address that because I think our, our sense of worth and our sense of value can often get so tied into this and looking at the past that we might not have experienced such great things or we might have experienced traumatic events and being able to... See that in a way where it was simply the building blocks. And so not to excuse anything that has ever happened, not to invalidate or minimize it, but to see that to be able to be here, to be able to create this life, to be able to live unapologetically, to be able to step into this kind of self-care and this management, it could not have been like any other way that was different than this. Like it, it had to happen the way that it did to be able to be here and it drives in so much purpose. And so I think it. I love being able to be in this space because it really, really brings it back in your hands where you can see where the value is, where you can create the value, where you can add it back in your life in a way that helps you do more of what it is that you love.
0: Oh, I love it. This past week, I had a thought come to mind where I was like, I sometimes wish I could go and talk to my younger self and like whisper things in her ear and say, hey, like, don't do this and do that and do this differently. But then I realized if she hadn't have gone through what she went through, if she hadn't have learned what she had, I wouldn't now have the wisdom to whisper to her. The only reason I can look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done that differently is because I've learned from that experience and I've grown And that's the reason I have the wisdom to be like, hey, that probably wasn't what I would have chosen. Or, you know, this is going to bring you pain or it's going to bring you something that you don't want. The only reason I can do that is because I actually chose that, went through it, learned the lessons from it, and arrived here at this point. And so, yeah, it's such a catch-22 in some ways because sometimes we want to go back and heal the past, but we can't. The past is the past. And in every way, the past created who we are today and everything that we know all the things that that we wish we could change it's because we learned from those things if we hadn't have gone through them we wouldn't know what we know now
1: yeah there is there's just no way like i remember there was a shift some years ago for me where i was looking back at events where um there had been trauma and there had been a diagnosis so for me ptsd and i just remember thinking i am now in this place where I get to decide what it means for me. There were many people suggesting what it should mean. There were many people trying to tell me what it was going to like, what my life was going to be like after these things. And it was really a surprising moment to see. I had a choice where for many years, I didn't believe that there was an option to be able to experience certain things differently than I had. And so I think you're 100% right. Being able to, Look at the past compassionately, like you have, and to be able to see it for what it is that helps you connect more to you, like yourself here in this present moment, and also like who it is that you're becoming. I think it's just such a powerful place to be able to make change. You know, it's coming from a place of love and acceptance, and just allow it. And some of the best changes I've ever seen. When it comes to this work, I've come from that place because you're not running yourself into the ground trying to, you know, argue with the past and say it should have been different than it is because, you know, if it was supposed to be different, it it would be different. But the fact is it happened and the only way to really experience the past, like the trauma and things like that, that we have experienced is to look back, you know, and to reimagine what it was. And I think it's just a very powerful thing to to see what it meant then while we were experiencing it, to compare what it means now, you know, for us. And sometimes it's the same. And then to consider what is it going to mean, you know, when I'm at this new place where maybe I'm thinking life is going to be better or different and to start connecting with those ideas instead and to start recognizing and identifying with a future state. Because um, now it's the craziest thing. But all I can think is all of the trauma that I had experienced, all of the, the how it took to be able to get here, I would be angry if somebody took it away. <laughs> because I have just found, and this is not not for everybody, this, I am solely just speaking for me, but I would do it all again to be able to be here, like today, on this podcast, talking about these things, to be able to help others embrace that kind of peace and that kind of compassion and that kind of love and certainty to know this is how it happened, and I can make it mean Whatever I want, I can make it mean the most amazing things about my life as I get closer to who it is I want to become. And granted, it's easier said than done. There's a lot of awareness and a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of things that come with all of this work. But everything that you do, I think think we've mentioned this before, but really think anything worth doing in your life will absolutely invite risk. And some of that's discomfort, you know, some of that's the, the leftover work that I think we tackle as adults that we were not able to do maybe as a child. And that is, I think, such a privilege to be able to do here and to create something new out of something old.
0: And I love that you talk about that, that it's never too late. It's never too late. I don't care if you're 80 listening to this or if you're 50 or if you're like me, 40 or 30 or 20. Or even if you're in your teens, it is never too late to undo or to work with what happened in your past. It's never too late to reparent that child that's inside of us. It's never too late to give them the comfort that they needed and the validation that they needed, the protection that they needed. It's never too late to acknowledge how hurt they were by something that happened. It's never too late to be the parent or the adult in your life that you needed in that moment. And when we can do that for ourselves, then we do c- take control of the future. And like you said, when we're able to do that, we move in all of these beautiful ways and we create such beautiful things in our lives. And you get to a point where you're like, I don't want anyone to take from me what happened because I would be really upset because of the, the beauty it's created for me and the understanding it's created for me, the empathy it's created, the gifts it's given me that that's a really beautiful thing to to think about that it's never too late first of all and second of all when we do take on that parenting role for our inner child really anything is possible and we gain so much beauty from the experience
1: i love how you put that you were actually the first person that i i heard talk about that term reparenting and it was only um, it like what just a few weeks ago and i have completely looked at my past events in these different ways where suddenly like, and there was already so much value there, but just being able to talk to you about this idea around reparenting, it has changed my vision for what's possible. And I think that is just such a beautiful thing because again, it enhanced that trust. Like I knew what I needed. I know what I needed and that just deepens the whole idea around what it meant to be able to create the parts of life that you can on purpose. And I think some of that too, is being a mother. Uh, I think many, you know, parents can relate that just having children, it shifts the way that you focus on the events that you have experienced in your life. And oftentimes just having children will bring up a lot of those, those old wounds or those old moments. And it puts you in the face of what, It was. And sometimes that is wildly uncomfortable. I can't even tell you the number of times where I just sat in tears where I look at my daughter and I think, oh my goodness, like we're not just doing this work on ourselves, but we're doing the work so our kids don't have to later.
0: Yeah. I think that that resonates so much with all kinds of trauma, religious trauma or any trauma We do the work so that we can undo the patterns so we don't pass it down generationally to our kids because any unhealed trauma that we have, we accidentally pass down either because we're dealing with our trauma and our kids have to create coping mechanisms to deal with the fact that we're in trauma, or we actually recreate the trauma for them. And so it's important. And if you have adult kids and you realize that you've done this, Again, it's never too late. It is never too late for reparenting, even if you're going back to your children and reaching out and reconnecting with them and validating them and comforting them the way you wished you had when they were little. It is never too late to repair relationships, even when relationships have been destroyed. My husband in his marriage and family therapy practice sees it all the time. 50-year-old daughters coming in with 85-year-old mothers and repairing relationships because they finally understand what happened in childhood in their earlier relationships. So if you're listening to this, there is no shame about dealing with trauma, however you have up to this point. There is no shame about the ways that we've passed that on to our kids. Our kids don't need perfect parents. They need parents who are willing to do their own shame work, their own trauma work. They need parents who are willing to listen to their pain, and they need parents who are accountable, who will own their part, apologize, and work to do better in the future. That is literally all my clients are asking for. That's all that they wanted from their parents. They didn't necessarily want things to change. They just want to be heard. They want to be validated, and they want to work towards a better future. That is literally it. If you're listening and you're worried that you've created trauma in your kids' lives, it's fine this is what we do from here on out. Now that we know better, we do better. That's it. Okay, let's move into this topic. And I'm so excited to hear why you chose loving your reason for leaving. So tell me all about what was in your head when we talked about a podcast and you were like, this is what I want to talk about.
1: Oh, I love this because there's two components to this that I have noticed when it comes to religious transitions and learning how to honor who it is that you're becoming. But first, and this this sounds like an unpopular message for those who are very actively engaged, but you don't have to have a good reason for leaving. Like this is one of the things that I feel isn't being talked about enough. <laughs> I love that we get to be able to be here and be in this space and talk about this. Because when you had asked me, is there anything that is on your mind that you want to talk about? I, I feel like I knew right away. I'm like, we need to talk about your reason for leaving and the difference between loving, like having a reason and completely like loving your reason. So first thing that was, I just want to tell everybody you only need one good reason for you that you like, that you can back to be able to take whatever next step that looks like. And so you have to have quote unquote a good reason for leaving. I think many of the people that come to me have not shared their changes with their loved ones. And often it's because they're just so worried what's going to happen, what's going to change with the relationship, what they're going to say or what they're going to do or what they're going to hear, how people are going to react. And usually what I find is when people are worried and feel like they have to have a good reason for leaving, they already have somebody else in mind that they are worried about confronting. Or when they feel like they need to have a reason or create a reason that would help their family. Um, understand some of the changes often it usually comes out in this way where like we're so worried and we tend to minimize our choices like we tend to kind of almost make it more acceptable to them but less acceptable to us and I love that we're going to be here talking about this because your reason for leaving can fuel you rather than leave you feeling dread and worry which often tend to produce very anxious activity in life and so when we can reel that back and see okay let's talk about the real reason for leaving remove the judgment and we can get in that place where we get to really take a look at it we can start opening up to what it's going to mean for us and it's coming from a place of love and compassion and self-trust and just knowing that you have your own back and i think this is just the It's such a different paradigm than what I've heard other people talk about. And I love that we get to introduce this. Like, I feel like it happens in such a unique place of a religious transition. And so being able to be here and get this out is just so exciting.
0: And I love that you bring up that it comes from a place of self-trust, that it comes from a place of having a relationship with your inner self. Because really, I think I just did a podcast on people-pleasing like literally yesterday. (laughs) And it, so often what we do is we've been taught, particularly in high demand religion, but throughout society, that our job is to make other people comfortable. And often when it comes to talking about our reason for leaving, we want other people to be completely comfortable with our choice. And we're looking Honestly, we're looking for outside validation. We're looking for our family of origin to say, "Okay, that makes sense. It's okay for you to leave. When really what we start with is, I feel good about my reason for leaving. And I have my back even if no one else understands. And my reason is valid for me. And then when you go and you talk to your family, it doesn't matter as much if they agree with your reason for leaving or if they validate or if they give you permission to leave because you don't need those things quite as much. Will it still be painful if they don't understand? Yes. Will it still be hurtful if you feel disconnected from your family? Yes. But when you have your own back, you don't need their permission to feel okay leaving and you don't need their permission to feel okay about your reason. And how you experienced your religion or how you experienced the things you read. There's actually a lot more place for compassion for yourself and for those who are still in, which I think is where we're headed today. If if the notes are any indication, I've got these like tantalizing notes, you guys, that like give me hints about what we're talking about today and like guide the conversation, but I want to know so much more. So I'm so excited to get to share this with you guys. I'm so glad that I have Kara here and we can have this conversation, but I love that you brought up self-trust because that really is such a key.
1: Yeah, it is like the key. I feel like between love and trust, like those two combined are just so powerful because I mean, whatever your reason is. So say you understand that you're on your way out. Maybe you haven't told anybody yet. Whatever that reason is, it's valid. It doesn't have to be approved of by anybody else. That's it. And so I love that you brought up family too, because when it comes to leaving, and many of us are recovering people pleasers, it is kind of a knee-jerk reaction to want to make others comfortable at our own expense. I mean, this is already a very difficult situation. It's like your foundation is coming out from under you and you are rebuilding it at the same time. And so you will have those knee jerk reactions to um, make other people. Uh, what is it? It's like, like you want to be loved and accepted, but then you don't show up quite as yourself because you're so worried about what it is that they're going to say or do. And so it's, it's not about managing your family's mind it's not about managing your family's behavior it's not about showing up in a weird way that's inauthentic to you to be able to make them more comfortable this really isn't about managing your family's thoughts about your choices this is about managing yours and so being able to focus on you in this way while it might be uncomfortable and this might honestly be the first time that you have focused on yourself this way. And you've been so concerned about everybody else's feelings and how things are going to go. And if you were like me, who was raised a Latter-day Saint member your whole life, this might feel very selfish to you to be able to focus on yourself this way. But when you can give them space to be who they are, as you communicate what is important to you, you really do just get to focus on what is within your control and then release the pressure of what you can't, which is, of course, it's your family and the other things that are going on around you.
0: Oh, I love that you brought that up because I think so often we've been conditioned to believe that we can control other people's thoughts about us or that we can control other people's emotions. I often hear you're making me feel and we can't make anyone feel anything. The only person that we can manage thoughts and emotions for is ourselves. That's it. Literally, we can't do it for our kids, we can't do it for our husbands, we can't do it for our moms and dads or our siblings or our friends, we can only manage our own thoughts and emotions and trying to manage other people's thoughts or massage the atmosphere so that they only think a certain way or only feel a certain way. We have zero control there and it's just a crazy making hamster wheel process of trying to run this marathon and we literally can make no headway because we have no control there. Like there is no way to have control over how someone else thinks or feels or acts. We, it's not our realm.
1: Well, this is years and years of compounded messages and like generations of messages that you're coming up against too. And so it's no wonder that it's hard to consider what it might mean for you to trust yourself in this way to be able to allow them to be who they are and then commit to your choice. Cause how many times have you heard, don't do that because it will make them feel or how many times if your like family said, you know, we are just so upset about this, you know, and you might even have, you might even have an entire narrative of what you're expecting when you have this conversation with, you know, your loved ones or your family and how it's going to go. And at the end of the day, it really is just stuff that we can control, you know, it's a little trippy, but being able to sit in a place where you're like, okay, well, the job that I have to do isn't to manage them, isn't to make them more comfortable with my choices, but to be okay with what I think they might be thinking. Like this is, this is where we really get to hone in on our work. And so when you think about your reason for leaving, knowing that it's valid, like I really want to be able to encourage others to know that, your reason for leaving will encourage a new level of commitment to yourself and be able to like it will require you to be able to look ahead and to use that beautiful brain that you've got to be able to step into the feelings of like courage. You know, a lot of times when clients come to me, they talk about wanting to have more confidence. You know, they they want to be able to leave and to be able to have their own back and they think, you know, I if I was just more confident. But really, when we get to the part of the conversation, leaving, it requires courage. And in no time does courage ever really feel good. Like the the after effect of it, the after effect of aligning yourself and taking action towards what you want, you know, that increases your resilience and then your confidence. But oftentimes what I find is most often people want to be able to feel courage. And I want to remind others that courage is the – the vomiting grows like I'm gonna hurl, feeling sick. That at the end leaves you feeling really, really proud of yourself and how you how you showed up for you.
0: Well, and I love something Brene Brown here says: vulnerability is courage, and vulnerability does leave us feeling exposed, and it leaves us feeling. You know, open, we take the armor off, right? So we take off all the perfectionism and we take off the people pleasing and we stand there as our authentic selves and we say what we mean to say and express what we mean to express. And yeah, especially if you're not used to doing that, you're going to feel a vomity feeling. That is courage to show up in that way. So these kind of conversations, like you said, your first conversation, your first experience with vulnerability may be telling your family you left and why?
1: And this is the kind of discomfort that we want to utilize. So a lot of people are already feeling uncomfortable, right? But when you can see how it is that you're choosing your discomfort, there is discomfort like courage, which again, it's not comfortable. That will help you grow and that vulnerability is something that requires an honest understanding with yourself about what is important to you and how you think about it is is really essential because you can think about leaving in a way that has you looking back at your past and kind of re-experiencing things like we had talked about before and like on the repeat or it has the potential to be able to align you with more possibility, which is just yours. You know, you on purpose, you get to do it and you get to prepare yourself however it is that you want. Cause when you leave, you are faced with everything that you were taught that becoming an apostate means. And so you are met with all of the limiting beliefs. You're met with all of the the negative things that you were taught. And it might be very different than how you view yourself and you run into that cognitive dissonance. But just because something seems illogical or just because uh, you're running into all of these thoughts, it doesn't mean that again anything that has gone wrong actually this is a very normal part of the process and so being able to be vulnerable being able to be open to navigating all of this uncomfortable vomiting vulnerable courage mix of emotions and really seeing what is possible I think is one of the most courageous things that you can do
0: absolutely yeah Vulnerability, especially emotional vulnerability, I believe is one of the most courageous things we can ever do. I think a lot of times we think of courage as running into a burning building or jumping in front of a car or, you know, doing something like that. And I think most of us would be way more terrified to tell people how we really feel and what we really value and who we really are and risk being rejected or abandoned by the tribe. That feels much more scary. I think to most of us than running into the burning building or jumping in front of the car.
1: I would have jumped in front of the car. (laughs) Like I thought for sure, like that, that seems like more, more easily um, acceptable to me at that time. I know when I was going through my phase transition, I would have preferred like the idea of the burning (laughs) building because of how much discomfort that brought up and, of course, all the negative feelings that come with that and the isolation and loss of community. I mean, there's, we could go on and on about it, but you're 100% right. I couldn't agree more because that vulnerable feeling ends up being like the building blocks. Being able to tap into that, uh, there's so much to be able to create from it.
0: Well, and you brought up something really important too, that this requires you to know yourself. It requires you to know what's important to you, what you value, what you believe, what you actually feel. And some of these things are really new for a lot of us. A lot of us have that sense of losing our identity whenever we leave because there have been parts of us that we have not been in touch with for years, maybe our entire lives, in order to fit into these faith communities or sometimes to fit into our family groups. We've taken these pieces off of us. And put in their place pieces that are acceptable. We've assimilated to the group. And so this might be your very first time ever actually standing on your own and listening to yourself. And it's so important to take that time instead of reading thousands and thousands of pages of literature, which is the approach I took because it was way less vulnerable to have some expert like validate my reason to sit with myself and say, what are my values? What are my beliefs? What are my emotions telling me about myself and my experience? And then letting that be enough as you move into that.
1: Absolutely. And really, truly letting that be enough. And that I know for myself is such a challenge. And when you know yourself and you think about the honesty and the compassion that it takes to be able to have that clear understanding of what's important to you and whether it's healing you or whether it's hurting you, you know, I think it's just such a empowering place to begin really making those changes too, because like I mentioned before, you're going to be faced with every reason not to love your reason for leaving Um, I'm sure there's already, if you're listening in the spot where you haven't told everybody or those that you love what's going on with you and your choice to leave, I have no doubt you've got a long, long list of what feels like is not working for you. And being able to own that and to be able to be with that and to make it yours is no small thing. It's, it requires a, a lot from you and so I just want to also commend you too if you're in that place know that you're not alone this is a very normal experience I even if it doesn't feel good this is part of the process I mean this is the going on the gym floor and lifting that weight on purpose like we talked about earlier these are the moments um, where that change and that impact is really made
0: yeah and I think It's these difficult moments that do build our trust with ourselves to show us we can survive it. We can move through it. We can utilize this discomfort. If we never got on the gym floor in the first place, we would never learn that we can lift the weight, that we can survive the burning quads the next day. So this discomfort, as much as we don't want to face it sometimes, it's exactly what we need to build that trust with ourselves so that we can stand separate if we need to and belong to ourselves, even when we're surrounded by people who don't understand us. And it is a vital part to living authentically. And here's some hope. It's also a vital part to magnetizing people to you who want to know and love the authentic you. And there will be a bit of discomfort as you move from this place where you're used to assimilating into a place where you're authentic, I wish I could say you won't lose anyone, but you will. Because your authentic self is going to bring up discomfort for others who are maybe not ready to live authentically, where that feels too scary. Because remember, it takes courage to become authentic. And so I think there's something to be said for this discomfort because you're learning to root into, you're building the roots to be able to stand In your authenticity and once you get to that place where you love who you are and you have a great relationship with yourself and you're able to be unapologetic about who the authentic you is you naturally magnetize people into your sphere who loves that authentic person but it does have that vomity feeling first that Kara's talking about where you're like but I haven't ever done this I've always been surrounded by people and we're so used to fitting in that sometimes seeking belonging which is authenticity first and magnetizing people to you who can handle the authentic you can feel really courageous it can feel really vomit inducing because you feel naked at first you can feel really exposed
1: oh my gosh I feel like naked is almost an understatement <laughs> all of this like there's something there's something unique about religious trauma and religious transitions where like I would almost prefer to have just experienced the naked on the stage feeling because that seemed easier. That seemed more like acceptable to me than what I was experiencing. And uh, being able to open yourself up this way to become more who that you want to be and to be honest with yourself, I also think is a beautiful thing that opens you up to. Like when we talk about loving your grief and for leaving, it also opens you up to not having to do all of the the work that I see where many people feel like they need to have a good reason. And so they do go into all of the research and all of the materials and all of the church history and the doctrine and the discrepancies. And there's a reason so many of us become you know, experts after we leave, but being able to hone in and just trust that your reason is not only valid, it's good enough, it's your reason. It also helps you avoid having to go through that whole long list of consuming information, trying to feel better or trying to provide your family or loved ones with another explanation that might be more pleasing to them. And it just gets you to focus on yourself. And so, yes, it's very uncomfortable. But if there's anything that I could recommend is to avoid going out and doing all of the consumption And focus on what's important to you in this moment and know that this moment has the capacity to be enough and good enough and great, actually, like amazing as you just hone this here.
0: I love that you brought that up because I definitely did two years worth of deep dive research, thousands of hours. I mean, thousands of hours. Well, maybe hundreds of hours, thousands of pages. We'll put it that way so much research i had notebooks full of it and honestly my reason before i started any of the research was valid it was simply that i was feeling shame and fear every time i went to church and it made me feel sick inside and then i had to spend the whole week feeling better and then i'd go back and get in- injected with more shame and fear poison and then i'd have to heal and it was just the cycle and I felt I needed a better reason. And so I deep dived into like the whole wide gamut of church history. And then I deep dived into a whole wide historical search on Christianity and being Muslim and Jewish and Taoism and Buddhism and just all these things. And if you are driven to research because it makes you feel good, Like, if that brings you joy and happiness, by all means, research away, my little nerds. You know I love to research. But if you're doing it for validation, if you're doing it to strengthen your argument or make you feel like your reason for leaving or for changing your mind is more valid, definitely root into, why am I doing this? It's a chance to get curious with yourself. Why do I feel the need to consume thousands of pages of research? Is it because I'm honestly getting joy from it and I'm honestly just curious and it feels fun to research all of this? Or is it because I'm looking for someone to validate that my choice is okay? Your choice is already okay. No matter what your choice is, even if you're listening to this podcast and your choice is to stay in the religion, your choice is valid. You don't need to read thousands of pages in order to validate it one way or the other. It's what feels good to you.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to bring out because not to say that you shouldn't read things or that you shouldn't know more, it's where is that energy coming from when you are researching. For me, I noticed if there was any smidgen of shame, if there was any smidgen of doubt or fear, it was very, not at the time, but it became easier to see the challenges of loving that reason for leaving weren't always my own. It was that indoctrinated idea of the way things should be. You know, there was a right and a wrong and I needed to be right now that I was out of the church and now it seemed like everybody else was wrong. You know, and I also noticed for myself when I came from that energy of wanting to know more, to feel better or to like feel an emotional void or gap. I noticed that often it felt like that my old uh, desire for missionary work. Now that I was out, I wanted everybody else to know all of this stuff that I wanted to share with them. And I noticed there was this similarity there too, because it was while I was in, I wanted other people to know about the gospel and I was willing to go to great lengths to be able to share that with them. And then I, I was out and I wanted other people to know what I knew and I was willing to go to great lengths to share with them that. And just to know that that was very normal. But when I sat with it and I could see the emotion that was driving me to either research or to just pause and be with it, it got very easy to see that there were like things that really weren't very important. Really what it came down to was, did I have enough trust in myself? Did I like my reason enough? Where none of that was really important anyways. You know, it was just information. And after that, it was much easier to come from a curious place. Like, oh, you know, that's really interesting. There are all these church things. There are all these discrepancies. There's history that's really interesting. But it wasn't emotionally charged, It wasn't triggering, it was no longer an issue, I no longer felt like I had to put it in someone's DM or share it with my family, whether your thoughts, you know, things like that. And it just got to a place of ease. And like, actual, you know, we talk about discomfort, but like, it was actually very comfortable to say yes or no to things that I thought really weren't important. And so being able to come from that place can save you hours of getting triggered and learning things and like going down that spirally path of learning more. And then it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And And it's very difficult to be connected to yourself. And it's very difficult to be connected to say like your loved ones when it's coming from that kind of an energy of, well, this is right. Or that is wrong. Instead. It's like, well, what is it to be you? And Tell me more about what it's like to, you know, be you. Um, Cause there's a lot of challenges that I think that come when you are leaving, you know, we've mentioned it before. There are, there are things with your social conditioning, you know, your leadership. There are things about talking, you know, like how you talk about yourself or the negative talk that you might be around things like who raised you and just simply being human. Like that is part of this. And there are so many challenges, that we're faced with when it comes to leaving, but to just really give yourself the space to see what helps you increase your own self-regard, to increase your own self-esteem, and to be able to do more of that instead, even when you're faced with everything suggesting that something's gone wrong.
0: Mm. I love how you talked about allowing other people to be themselves. And you to be yourself. Because when we get out of that binary thinking, which we often do at first take with us out of high demand religion, we come out of high demand religion and we're so used to that thought process of either it's right or it's wrong, and there's no grayscale, there's no spectrum at all. It can really be difficult to connect with people because if my opinion is different than yours, then one of us has to be right, one of us has to be wrong. One of us is the winner, one of us is the loser. But if it's coming from a place of curiosity of help me understand your experience and both of our experiences get to be valid, then I can hear your experience that's different than mine. I can hear your reasons for staying or going and it can be just about getting to know you and connect with you better and less about proving my point or you proving your point. It is just help me get to understand and know you and in return, can you get to understand and know me? Let's both just understand one another. Let's both hear what it's like to be the other person. Let's both just put ourselves in each other's shoes. And really, that's what empathy is. Empathy is just trying to understand what would it be like to live life as this other person with their experiences and their thought processes and with their You know, the the things that have happened in their past, coloring what's going on in the present, help me understand you. And that's a completely different way to approach the conversation than that missionary mindset that you were talking about of I'm right and you're wrong now and let me preach to you why I'm right. And I did that a lot when I left. I was not a very safe person for my still believing friends and family and Again, it's never too late. We've repaired a lot of those things. And now we're in that place where it's helped me understand your experience. And they're so much more likely to open up to understand my experience as well. Seeking first to understand before being understood has really helped us preserve a lot of relationships, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that... I mean, when you are that connected to yourself, there are certain things that just become non-negotiable. And that doesn't mean that you don't make requests of others. It doesn't mean that you put yourself in situations that you don't necessarily want to be in or that you think will cause harm. I'm not suggesting that, but like it's really being able to connect with yourself in a way where it doesn't have stress. You know, you really simply get to be who you are. You get to love who you are. And no matter... What other people's opinions are, no matter what it is that they do or or don't do for that matter. Like you like who you are at the end of the day, you know, and you wake up the next day liking who you are then too. And I think it's very important to be able to just recognize that yes, we have these things in our life coming from a high-demand religion, and that suggests that in order to be connected to people, we have to meet a long list of obligations that they're responsible for. And like we have responsibility for meeting and kind of messy. Like, yes, we do have some of this leftover stuff, but at the end of the day, really what it comes down to is liking your reason for being you, who you are. And that is enough.
0: Well, and I think too, when you like your reason for being who you are, you find the validation and the love and the empathy and the kindness and the compassion that you need inside of yourself first. That's where it comes from. And regardless of if anyone else wants you in their group, regardless of if anyone else can accept the authentic you, you know that no matter what, you accept the authentic you, that you like yourself, that you'll have your back. And then from that place, any additional validation that comes in any additional belonging it all becomes bonus material it's not what we need to thrive it's not what we need to feel like we're an okay human that comes from inside and all of that external stuff is just like gravy it's just bonus it's just additional validation that just it feels good in the moment but it's not the lifeblood that we need in order to continue to live and thrive
1: Right. And I think it's tempting to, you know, as humans, we just, it's very tempting to look back and see what it is that we're leaving behind when in reality, there's just as much that we are walking towards. And can we focus more on, on that? And that is just, I have to just tell you, it's, it's so much more fun. (laughs) It's so much more fun. I mean, it's tempting to look back sometimes to see what is behind, but really truly when you can look forward and see what's possible, it releases the pressure and the urgency to do anything.
0: And you get to live in the present moment of this is a beautiful place to be and where I'm going is this or even better.
1: Yeah. And it gets, it gets amazing. Oh my gosh. If I knew how great things would be here, again, it's still very 50 50. I mean, I have good days, I have bad days, but if I really knew the abundance that was here, like I would have taken off running because it's just been so amazing. But but back then I didn't have any evidence any of this was going to work out. It was just terrifying. But truly, when you just put one foot in front of the other, when you just take time to be able to narrow it down for what is really important to you about who you are and what you stand for, what your purpose or your role is and make decisions around that. Oh my gosh, so much
0: fun. Absolutely agree. And I love how you said that. I didn't have any evidence at the time. But if I, again, if we could go back and whisper to our younger selves, like, it's going to be fine, keep going. But we almost needed to go through that unsure time in our lives to get to this place where we're sharing the work that we're sharing because we know what it feels like to be unsure and to leave behind something we loved. Because I think both of us loved much of our time in the church, but there were things that just made it non negotiable to stay.
1: Yes. At some point it just tips the scale and it was time. Like and it was very challenging experience to be able to make that decision because you're preparing yourself for so much loss. You're preparing yourself for so much change and it can be very overwhelming. And part of the reason I love that we're talking about it this way is to also open up others and to be able to invite them. To doing this at their time and their place and to open up to the idea that this can actually work. You, you can actually leave in a way that helps you increase your opinion of yourself and your self-regard. And it helps you be able to create more from where you're at now. So not to like, you, you don't have to go out and go do these Big things like you mentioned you don't have to prove yourself you don't have to be different than you are like really this moment in your life this present place that you're at is more than enough you have all the tools that you need you just being you and being open to experiencing what's ahead and that openness will will help just exponentially it is going to help if you won't recognize yourself in a year's time frame because how much can change when you're just simply open to becoming more of
0: who you want to be. Mm, That just feels so delicious to me. And I know that it just continues, right? We continue to grow in this mindset. We continue to become even more the version of ourselves that feels authentic, more the version of ourselves that is able to love and embrace who we actually are, more the version of ourselves who's able to ask for what we need, and give ourselves what we need, more the version of ourselves that's able to draw in people into our circle who can love and accept us both as we are right in this moment and as we expand and grow into the future. And it's amazing, and it's beautiful, and it feels so good. It's such a peaceful, aligned, delicious feeling. When you get to that spot where you start to see the future and you You start to see what's possible and you understand that I'm never going to arrive per se. This is a continual journey of growth and it gets to be perfect exactly as it is right now in this moment and exactly as it will be in every moment in the future as I just continue to love and accept myself even more.
1: Yeah, I'm just amazed at this because just to piggyback off of that, I am living the life that I dreamed of. And it still has moments that are awful. (laughs) Like this is my like rainbow today's place that I imagined once upon a time. And there are still things that come up that I find myself working on. And it doesn't take away the value of where I'm at now. It's just what, what an incredible experience it is to see that no matter what phase you're in, no matter how much it is that you're growing, no matter how much you're demanding of yourself, there will still be, that process of moving through discomfort on purpose, moving through emotion, learning how to like your reason for any choice that you make. Because again, you have permission to do this however it is that you want to. There is not a single right or wrong way to do this. And anybody that says otherwise, um, they are not you. They do not make the decisions for you. And so you are truly your best source of wisdom and authenticity and being able to tap into that and more of what it is that you want really helps you outline and will help you outline like how to love yourself in this process and your reason for leaving so that when you are faced with, you know, difficult situations or you're faced with things that are coming up, it's fine. It might not feel good, but you have communicated to yourself that you are a priority and it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, before we start to wrap up, let's talk about how people can start to really dig into loving themselves and the reason for leaving and your method for doing that.
1: I love this um, because it is a little bit different than I've seen. And I think it's going to help quite a few people. But when it comes to leaving, one of the things that I've noticed is usually there is some kind of push or some kind of pull um, that encourages an individual to leave. Like something's incongruent with their core values. And now we're becoming aware that, maybe our core values are not necessarily in alignment with our religious teachings. And so there's been many situations, people leave every single day for all kinds of reasons. Also why I said, you know, you don't have to have a quote unquote good reason. You just have to have one that you like, but there's usually a pull or kind of a push to leaving. And it's often something that has happened in the past or church history um, where we start to explore it a little bit more. Right. But it's really important to understand that having a reason for leaving and loving your reason for leaving can be two very different things. And so they can work hand in hand, except um, sometimes what I've noticed is one will put you in the past and it will help create evidence for like the choice that you make being a good choice, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but one will put you into the future. One will put you in the seat where your reason for leaving, again, is not negotiable because it's very tempting for many of us to say, okay, I just do not agree with the X, Y, and Z that the church has done. I cannot stand for that. And often when we come from that place, people want to argue. They want to go out of their way to prove you wrong. And it is a very exhausting experience if it's not a conversation that you want to have, right? Right. We can say there's like this church history thing or whatever it is. Again, your reason is valid. But what I want to get other people to and opening up to is, do you even like your reason for leaving? Because a lot of it is just so smushed together that it's hard to look at with objective eyes and sit in your body in a way where you can just be with it without the judgment. So I think what's really important here is Yes, there's these reasons that we have. And can you put yourself in the seat to see, okay, do I even like my reason for leaving? Or are you judging it like crazy? Or are you even judging yourself like crazy for having this reason?
0: So being really clear with yourself about what your reason is in the first place, and then feeling into it. And guys, this is where we drop into our body. Remember, so many of us lived in our heads, our entire religious experience So this is where you spend that time and drop into your body to feel into, do I like my reason for leaving or am I judging myself for it? Am I judging my reason? Am I judging myself? Do I feel, do I feel rooted into my reason? Do, do I feel confident with it? And does it feel empowering to me?
1: Exactly. Because do you feel empowered or do you feel disempowered? And this is really important because it will help you navigate whether you are at the effect of this religion right? Or at the effect of something outside of your control and you're feeling triggered, or are you trusting yourself to do what's next, no matter what happens, no matter what changes, no matter what your circumstances are?
0: Again, it comes from that inner validation. Empowerment comes from inside of us, not from outside of us. And disempowerment comes by looking to other people because we're at their mercy to either validate us or not validate us. And we feel disempowered when people don't validate us and we're counting on that validation in order to move forward. But when we trust our inner authority, when we trust our inner wisdom, what happens outside of us doesn't matter as much. We can still be triggered, but we're able to care for that trigger. We're able to move through it and emotionally process it and move forward regardless of what happens outside of us.
1: Right, because when you think about your like your reason, and you consider religious teachings or relationships, right? You want to consider what's going on and what we are interpreting it to be or what we are making it mean, which of course comes down to us because um, there's some subtle differences. But I think that are really important when you leave because, you know, say if the church has said something that you don't align with or does not align with your values or they have done something or they are not correcting something that maybe we think that they need to really do something about and be held responsible for whatever that is, you know, that reason is going to feel not the effect of the church and what they do in the future. We are going to go into our future or this has the, um, it has the power to either help us go into the future in a way where if the church says or does something, are we going to be triggered and continually be triggered You know, and this is something that's outside of your control, not to say that we shouldn't pursue change, but I want to invite others to consider that what it is that they're choosing and moving towards and not necessarily what it is that they're leaving behind because this relationship with the church or this religion, it can end, but how you leave it is going to really determine how you experience it in the future. I have a couple of examples. I want to because I want to, when you think about your reason for leaving, because I want to is always a perfectly acceptable answer. And it might not feel that way. I understand that's kind of a knee jerk. Like, so like, can you imagine just telling someone because I want to, but truly like that is a perfectly acceptable answer for leaving. For me, when I when I felt rooted in who I am, I had this, this thought that I'm leaving because I know that my purpose is different than the expectations of the ones who love me. And that was such a powerful moment for me. And when I tell others, rarely does anybody argue with it. And not to say that we should, you know, be prepared that we should argue with others. But this is a certainty for me. And when I speak with a a certainty, it's really a non-negotiable. Like I know, and I won't be convinced otherwise. Like I'm not out to be convinced. I know when it comes down to just loving your reason, it's just owning what it is. I know my husband, he ended up saying uh, to me when I asked him, I was like, what was your reason that you loved? He's like, you know, I never believed it was true. And I wanted to spend more time with my family. And that was it. It was really simple. And so just know, you know, it's the right choice, whatever that might be. You are allowed to say that this is the right choice for me. In the life that i want to create for myself and just notice again unless you want active discussion for your reason for leaving your reason for leaving is not up for negotiation and we can do this in a really really healthy and connected way where there is focus on the future and you will know that your reason is compelling when you are no longer sacrificing your opinion of yourself and your opinion of yourself is improving and I personally think that your reason for leaving should include all these kinds of awesome thoughts about yourself on purpose. I mean, let's face it. We've dealt with enough negativity and enough drama per se to, that we, we're allowed to be able to think awesome, super awesome thoughts about ourselves and our situation and our circumstance. And yet there are things that we are going to be faced with that are outside of our control and how we got here is a number of ways. But I really think that your reason should invite value into your life and help you keep looking forward towards what it is, that's ahead of you and your emotions will guide you just like terry said like let's drop into our body and you will know that you love your reason for leaving and it is unique to you when the feeling and the emotion around it is congruent with the thought and when your reason for leaving is matched with the love that you have for yourself notice that because really truly i think this is one of the most compassionate things that you can do for yourself while you're in transition and and this does require work. This does require intention. It does require, guess, a certain discomfort because so many of us were just taught that this place that we're in right now, something has gone wrong or like we are wrong as humans. And there, there is some challenges there to override all these old ideas of what it meant to be here and to simply love yourself. And so loving your reason really is one of the most compassionate things that you can do while you're in transition that will help you prepare for everything that's ahead. I mean, you are rooted in your reason. And usually when it comes to leaving, oftentimes I notice this is the first time that so many of us put a stake in the ground and communicate to ourselves and others that what we want matters and it's important enough to go after and do it in a way that leaves us feeling within integrity to who we are. And so give yourself that space to be able to navigate that because again, you will be met with a number of reasons for why it's not going to work out for you. You really only just need one to make sure that you can see that it's possible. And when you can do that, it is literally just one step in front of the other. And it is more than enough to get you where you want to go. And again, it's just allow yourself to do it imperfectly. Trust that your reason is enough And don't wait on things to change in order to feel better. There's so many things that I think we were taught growing up suggesting that stuff is going to have to look better in our life to be able to feel that kind of inner authority. But truly, like we've already got it. We've already got it. And so now it's just communicating it to the world in a way that leaves us feeling like we are matched with ourselves and what we want. And what we want is just simply inevitable.
0: I don't think I could add anything to that that would be more beautiful than what you just said, because what we're really after in the transition period is compassion for ourselves, love for ourselves, hope for the future, and the understanding that we are already empowered. And you just expressed that so beautifully. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. I know the listeners have gotten so much out of this. And every time I talk with you, I come away with new ideas. I come away with new understanding. I feel validated in my work. And I feel empowered and seen and just so excited about the future. And so I'm so glad that you got to come on here and share your ideas and your understanding and your beautiful words with people. And I really look forward to our work together in the future, like sneak peek for those of you listening. Kara and I are working on something really exciting and incredible that will be coming up this this upcoming summer. So we're putting together some really fun things. In the meantime, though, if you want more of Kara, and I know you guys all do because I can't get enough of her, what you're going to want to do is you're going to go, you can find her on Kara Sakovich Coaching on Facebook. Or go over to Instagram. She's got all kinds of great videos and posts on post-Mormon purpose. And I will have all of this in the show notes. On TikTok, she's post-Mormon purpose as well. You can email her at Cara at lifecoachcara.com. And you can find her on her website at www.lifecoachcara.com. So Kara. Thank you again. I am seriously so excited for the future. You guys will be hearing from her again, particularly as we get ready to launch the big thing that we are working on right now and appreciate you.
1: It is such a privilege to be able to just be here and to be able to, I think, just collaborate and do this work hand in hand because it is it is blowing my mind how much is being created. And y'all don't know this, but Terry and I have nerded out about all of the tools that we have for you for endless amounts of messages (laughs) and all of the things we are just incredibly excited to be able to deliver because when we look back at what we needed, this is it Now we have it for you. It's the craziest thing to watch an idea actually come together, be created, get out into the world. and and serve others in this capacity, holy cow. So we could not do this without you guys. We have just adored, adored you. Um, And we get super nerdy about all of this. (laughs) So we are so excited to be able to join you and to be able to get to know you. And I cannot wait to see more of what's to come and to be able to do that hand in hand with you. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. And you're right, we do get really nerdy and it is so much fun. Like this work would be not nearly as much fun without you in my life getting to like nerd out and talk about all things life coaching slash religion slash self-worth slash feminism slash empowerment, like all of the things. So thank you guys again. We can't wait to bring you further into our collective circle. So be on the lookout for that and we'll catch you next week.